0: This is a podcast from Real Life Sango in Clarksville, Tennessee. Thank you for being a part of our online community. We would love for you to join us at 8.30 or 10 a.m. on Sunday morning at the City Forum. In the meantime, if you would like to share a prayer request, make a financial contribution, or take a step at Real Life, you can text MISSION to 97000. Now enjoy the podcast. Susanna Wesley had 19 children. (laughs) Nine of them died in infancy. She was was so dedicated to spending time with the Lord. She committed to spending time with the Lord. So she trained her older children uh, to be responsible for her younger children. And she trained them that um, if they ever came through and they saw her with her apron over her head that she was having her time alone with God not to bother her. So can you just imagine this? 19 children. um, The incredible heartache of losing nine in infancy and not being bitter to God but wanting to spend time with God so bad that she would cover herself with her apron and take her Bible. <laughs> and if you, uh, if you see me covered with the apron, don't bother me, kids. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Well, the Lord honored this woman's dedication to him, her, her devotion to wanting to, to spend time with him, and in, in, in two of her children are, are well-known. One is Charles Wesley. And Charles Wesley wrote the great uh, hymn at Christmas time that we sing, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. He wrote, And Can It Be? He wrote, Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing. And then one of her sons was John Wesley, who was used mightily of God to start the movement that became the Methodist Church. Amazing. Amazing. How did she do it? How did she do it? How did she not grow bitter to God with nine children dying in infancy? How did she want to spend time with God? How did, how did she make it with 10 kids? Like, how did she have the strength to train the older ones and to, to be responsible for the younger ones? And how did, she, how did she do that? Well, I don't know how she did it, but I, I think I have a hunch that she did it with the power of God, not with her own strength. And, and this morning, I just want to give every mom... In every person in the building, a promise from God's word that I think will strengthen and sustain you through difficult times, through the challenges and responsibilities that God has before us. So I hope you've turned in your Bible to Second Corinthians chapter twelve. If you haven't, um, see how quickly you can find your way to Second Corinthians chapter twelve. And let's get a hold of a promise of God. Let's leave this morning with our hands grasping upon a promise from our great God. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We'll pick up in verse 1 and read through verse 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. If you didn't come this morning with a Bible, we would love to give you one. There's black Bibles there in the chairs. Um, And just take one of those as a gift if you'd like a Bible. uh, We would love to give that to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Verse 1. The Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Corinth under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, I must go on boasting, though there is nothing to be gained by it. I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which a man may not utter. On behalf of this man, I will boast. But on my own behalf, I will not boast except of my weaknesses. Though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool Is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Would you pray with me? Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Speak to our hearts. Speak to our hearts personally and powerfully through your sacred scriptures. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, how did Susanna Wesley do it? And how can you do it? And how can I do it? And how can we go on? How can we persevere in our faith? How can we not grow bitter to God? How can we not throw in the towel on our Christianity? How can we continue on in in this journey? Well, the first idea that we see in this text is this this morning, is that Paul had both unspeakable privilege and unrelenting pain. Paul had unspeakable privilege and unrelenting pain. This is what the Apostle Paul experienced. You think about the privileges of what he described. He had these revelations. He struggled to describe it. He's, he said, uh, I don't know if I was caught up in my, in my body. I don't know if I was like physically caught up, to, to, but, I, but I saw paradise and I had a vision. And he said, God knows. Uh, God blessed Paul with a, with a privilege of an insight and an experience with God that absolutely blew Paul away. When I read it, I'm like, man, I'd love an experience like that. And you just look at it. He said, verse, verse 1, he said, I must go on boasting, though there is nothing to be gained by it. I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ two fourteen 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. <laughs> Whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows, and I know that this man was caught up into paradise. Whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know, but God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told. That's what Paul experienced. It's crazy how God drew near to Paul and revealed himself to Paul. And it was in such a way that he said, he said, which a man may not utter. Paul had an encounter with the Lord that was an unspeakable privilege. Um, Whether we see it this morning or not, any of us that know God through faith in Jesus encounter an unspeakable privilege Probably the biggest thing that's messed up with our attitudes today is that we think that we deserve something other than hell. Every one of us have sinned and rebelled against God and the only thing we deserve is God's judgment. The only thing we deserve is God's alienation. God would be just and righteous to send us all to hell, but most of us don't think that way. And therefore, we go around entitled and arrogant, and you guys, listen, if you would just understand that the only thing we deserve is hell, then we would say, anything and everything that's short of hell is God's mercy. Can I just share with you this morning, if you would lock that into your heart, it would solve a lot of the problems in your life. If you would go through your life going, the only thing I deserve is hell, the only thing I deserve is alienation, the only thing I deserve is judgment then you don't have to have paradise and you don't have to be caught up to the third heaven and you won't have to be, uh, have these visions and revelations of the Lord. You just have to be forgiven and you'd be like unspeakable privilege. You just have to know God and you'd be unspeakable privilege. I don't deserve to know him. I don't deserve to be forgiven by him. I don't deserve to be loved by him. I don't deserve to be called his child. I don't deserve to be in the family of God. And yet we whine and we complain and it flows out of a spirit of entitlement that's anchored in our pride and in our arrogance. God's grace is sufficient for us today to humble us. God's grace is sufficient for us to change the way we think about life and what we deserve. Paul had an unspeakable privilege and we have an unspeakable privilege this morning. I think about moms and I think about it, what a privilege for moms. (laughs) What an amazing privilege moms have, right? Um. Moms have the great privilege of carrying a child in their womb. <laughs> Isn't it mind-blowing that moms get to carry a baby and the scriptures say that God is knitting the baby together in the mother's womb? What a crazy privilege. Moms get the privilege of, of bonding with their children of nurturing their children, of cuddling with their children. Um, Years ago, Susan said this is her favorite picture. I think we've got this picture. There there it is. That's my wife Susan holding our twins. Sorry, I didn't give you guys a heads up that uh, your baby picture would be on the screen. (laughs) She said this is her favorite picture. Her favorite picture. Because it's just filled with privilege. Privilege. She's holding something to her chest she does not deserve. That's what every mother gets is the, the privilege of, of holding a baby and nurturing a baby. And so moms, what, what, a, what a massive privilege moms have. Um, the bonding that's different, that's unique, that's special. They, when, when kids get hurt, they, just, they want that tender touch from their mother. What a privilege to be a mom. What an undeserved gift. What a grace from God to be a mom. But not only is there privilege, and not only did Paul have unspeakable privilege, but he had unrelenting pain. He spoke about a thorn, that God gave him a thorn. And for the apostle Paul, he begged God to take this thorn away. But God would not take this thorn away. It was unrelenting. The pain was constant. The pain was every day. The pain would not go away the pain would not stop every day the apostle Paul had a thorn in his flesh that he begged God to remove and God would not remove it he went on in verse 10 to say uh, for the sake of Christ then I'm content with weaknesses insults hardships persecutions calamities for when I'm weak then I am strong the apostle Paul had all kinds of terrible painful experiences and every one of us that have lived this human life in this broken world would raise our hand and say us too we too have experienced great pain. We've experienced all kinds of pain. And as we think this Mother's Day, we, we think moms experience unique pain. They have an amazing privilege, but they experience unique pain. We could go around and moms in this room could share about their own unique story and their own unique journey and in the, in the different pains that they've experienced, but I think that many moms feel unappreciated. They feel exhausted because the laundry feels like it will not end. It's like right when they get ahead, it just comes barreling back. Late nights, sleepless nights, sick kids, exhaustion. Uh, there's some moms that experience great regret. The way they did things, what they did, how they did it, how they said it, and, and there's pain in the regret that they feel. Some moms feel pain because they feel unseen sometimes they feel unseen by God they feel unseen by their children they feel unseen by their spouses sometimes moms feel alone the pain of just being alone I'm carrying this alone this is a burden sometimes moms feel the pain of being misunderstood they feel the pain of being misunderstood so so mingled in motherhood and there's this privilege in in, in pain the next thing that we see in our text I think is encouraging is that when prayer didn't remove the pain, God's power was perfected. When prayer didn't remove the pain, God's power was perfected. Look at how the Apostle Paul dealt with this pain in verse 7. So to keep me from being conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, we just pause there, the Apostle Paul had such an encounter with God that it would have been very easy for him to have gone on and on and on in a braggadocious kind of a way about his encounter with God. Special privilege was given to Paul to be called up to the third heaven. Special privilege was given to Paul to, 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 to have this glimpse of paradise. Special privilege was given to Paul to have this vision. And he said, such privilege was given to me that it would have been very easy for me to go around arrogant and bragging and boastful about this special relationship that God had given me. And so verse 7, he says, so to keep me from being conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh. We don't exactly know what this thorn was, but it was in his flesh. It was an ailment of his body. And scholars over the years, have, they, they've talked about all that it could be, and we just don't know. They've rattled off all these suggestions of what could be this and it could be this and it could be. But Paul doesn't tell us what his thorn was. He just says a thorn was given me in the flesh. Now this is interesting because he says a thorn was given me in the flesh. Who do you think gave him the thorn to keep him humble? Who gave him the thorn? The Lord gave him the thorn to keep him humble. But then he says a messenger of Satan to harass me to keep me from being conceited. In this short little phrase, what we see is a very hopeful truth. And the hopeful truth is this, friends Satan is subservient to our great God. Satan is is, is powerless under the power of God. Satan only gets to do what God permits. Satan is God's devil. God sends a thorn, (laughs) and somehow, mysteriously so, it's a messenger of Satan. I don't totally understand that, but it's a word of hope, because some of you feel like your life is being um, harassed by Satan. I have good news. He is under the authority of the Lord Jesus. And, And Satan will not touch your life without God in his infinite, mysterious wisdom permitting it. And I don't understand that. And that's not, a, that's not a cliche, and that's not a band-aid, and that's not going to solve all your problems, but that is a rock-solid word of hope. That we do not have to fear our enemy, because greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. Friends, listen. In North America, we've not seen the kinds of demonic manifestations that are seen in other parts of the world. But I think increasingly so, we see it in North America. And I think we'll continue to see more demonic manifestations. And I have good news, we have nothing to fear about the demonic realm. If your child wakes up in the middle of the night with nightmares and tremors, you don't have to be afraid because the devil is subservient to the Lord Jesus. If someone is is gripped with an illness that you think is of the devil, you do not have to be afraid because our God is a sovereign God. Not a sparrow falls to the ground apart from him. He knows the numbers of hairs on our head. How, How will he give a snake to those who ask for fish? He won't. He cares for us, friends. And he is strong and he is sovereign over Satan. So don't miss this little truth tucked away in this verse. I don't understand how it, I don't understand how it works. I don't understand how it happens. But I see the rock-solid truth that God was humbling him and somehow God was transcending over the messenger from Satan. You think, how could God do that? Well, that's what he did through the cross, isn't it? Isn't it? Evil men led by the enemy crucified Jesus to a cross, and God was using it to lovingly save humanity. So why should it be difficult for us? We see it in the cross most clearly to understand that. So don't let that trip you up. Just let that give you hope. Just let it give you hope. We, the people of God, filled with the Spirit of God, born again of God, as the child of God, have nothing to fear. Because God is our Father. Rebuke fear. Crush fear. Put it to death in your life. Fear is satanic. It is not of God. It has no place in the, in the life of, of the child of God. If you're carrying fear, it's a serious deal. Get with the people of God and pray until it goes away because it's not what God wants for you, child of God. It is not what God wants for you. When prayer didn't remove the pain, God's power was perfected. God gave Paul a thorn. It was painful. Paul didn't want it. He begged God to take it away three times, and God did not take it away. Paul had a prayer meeting, and he said, take my pain away, take my pain away, take my pain away, and God refused to take his pain away. But God's power was perfected to give Paul what he needed to persevere prayer didn't remove the pain but God's power was perfected aren't you glad that sometimes prayer does remove the pain (laughs) holy cow this is the first time I sang that song this morning Jeff worship team thanks for leading us in that song just testimony after testimony of how God takes pain away amazing sometimes God takes pain away hallelujah anybody want to testify to how God has taken pain away in your life emotional pain, physical pain. Anybody in the place this morning? Come on, church. I see you, sister. Anybody else want to just raise your hand and testify? I see you on the back row. God's taking some pain away. Aren't you glad God looks upon his children with compassion and takes pain away? Isn't it amazing? Some of you this morning, you've carried pain in your heart and you never thought God would take it away, but today you have a clean heart and no bitterness and no, there's not a spirit of revenge in your heart and somehow God took it. Aren't you glad God takes the pain away? Some of you had cancer and God's forgiven you of cancer. Carl Wall, I see you, brother. Stand up. Would you just stand up? Raise your hand, Carl, right here in this place. In Carl's living room, I prayed on my knees when he got his cancer diagnosis. On my knees in his living room. And God heard our prayer and he healed Carl, Carl, hallelujah. But sometimes he doesn't. And with Paul, I don't know what Paul's physical ailment was, but God did not take it. And God was perfectly good and perfectly loving and perfectly wise when he did not remove the thorn. And instead, God demonstrated his glory in a different way by giving Paul power to persevere. Look at verse 7 through 9 with me again. So to keep me from being conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from being conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me, but he said to me, look at this and don't miss this and memorize this. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Oh, this is such a great promise. This is Jesus' promise to the Apostle Paul, and this is Jesus' Jesus' promise to you and me today. His power is made perfect in our weakness. Friends, where are you weak today? Our world tells us to hide our weaknesses. Our world tells us to cover up our weaknesses. The world tells us to to pretend like we're not weak. And the Apostle Paul said, no, that's where my strength came from. It's through my weakness. So, so what? What are we to do? What are we to do? How, how is God's power perfected in my weakness? Well, again, we could go around the room this morning and we could say, I was weak, but God sent his people and his people prayed for me and his people encouraged me and his people sat with me as I grieved and his people came to my rescue and his people were the family of God and they loved me when I needed them. God gave me grace, power through his people. And others would say, it was prayer. It was prayer. It was my pain that actually taught me how to pray I was a child in prayer, but it was pain that, that made me grow up into an adult in prayer. And it was through prayer that I experienced the power of God. Others would say it was my pain that forced me to read God's Word. It was my pain that caused me to be serious about knowing God. It was my, it was my pain that, that, that taught me to read God's Word every day. It was my pain that drove me, that the psalmist in Psalm 119 Verse 17, he says, it was good for me that I was afflicted, for I learned your decrees. Do you hear what the psalmist is saying? It was good for me that I was afflicted, for it forced me into the presence of God, so I learned his word. And some of us, we've experienced God's power through his word. Have you ever so desperately needed just the right word from the Lord and you read your scripture that day, you read from the Bible, and God spoke so personally to the need that you have? Have you ever experienced that? If you haven't, you're not reading your Bible enough, friends. You're just not reading your Bible enough. Or you just haven't lived long enough and you haven't really suffered well enough yet. But if you read your Bible faithfully enough and you live long enough in this old broken, terrible, not-our-home world then you're going to open up your Bible one day and the sovereign king is going to speak personally to you through the sacred scripture and it's going to be for you that day. And in that moment, his power, his power, he's not going to remove the pain, but he's going to give, it, give you power to replace it. He's going to give you power. There's really nothing worse than a powerless church. We're not a country club we're not a social group, we are pilgrims, we are aliens, we are strangers, and we are a family. And we have the power of the spirit of the living God living inside of us. And we've got to sow into that. And I believe that sometimes pain is our servant, sometimes pain is our servant, because we're so fleshly, And we're so prideful. And we're so self-sufficient and self-dependent that pain becomes our servant because pain presses us and propels us into the presence of God. And if we didn't have the pain, we would go on our merry way on our own self-sufficiency. And sometimes pain is our servant to press us back into the presence of God. And in our pain, sometimes he removes it, but other times he gives us his power through his people, through prayer, through his word, by his spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Some of you this morning, you think, I can't make it. I can't do it. I can't go on. if you're a believer, if you're born again, if the spirit of God lives in you, his power will be perfected in your weakness. That's the promise here. My grace is sufficient for you, the Lord says. And we respond, but, 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 and he says, my grace is sufficient. I spoke with our missionary in London this morning. Thomas and Elizabeth West are going through such a trial, the word he used to describe the trial that they're walking through is impossible. That was the word he used this morning on the phone. It's about 1.30 p.m. right now in London, actually about 2.30 p.m. in London right now. And he said, impossible. That was the word he used of going through it. And I didn't tag this promise on him. I just listened and I loved him and I prayed with him. But what is true for them today is true for us today. That the power of Jesus can give us perseverance to go through what feels impossible. To go through what feels impossible. Are you staring at a mountain today? You just don't want to climb it? Are you facing something that feels impossible? Jesus says, "My grace is sufficient for you in your weakness." So how does so how does this happen? Just simply this. Don't miss this, friends. Write this down. Take a picture of this. Recognize and rejoice in your weaknesses and receive his strengthening grace. How do we how do we take hold of this power? We take hold of this power by recognizing and rejoicing in our weaknesses. Look at this with me in the text. Verse 8, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest on me. How does the power of Christ rest on him? Look back at the verse. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly. He's recognizing and rejoicing in his weaknesses. Where do you feel insufficient for the task, mom? (laughs) Where do you feel like you just don't measure up, mom? Where are you tempted to compare yourself to other moms? Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses. Not cover them up, not hide them. I'll boast, I'll rejoice in my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. You don't get the power of Christ resting upon you in strength. You don't get the power of Christ resting on you in self-sufficiency. You don't get the power of Jesus resting on you in human wisdom. You don't get the power of Christ resting on you in going about your day on your own, without time alone with the Lord. You get the power of Christ resting on you by recognizing and rejoicing in your weaknesses, You've probably been encouraged sometime in your life to make a list of of a gratitude list, of just thanking the Lord, writing down all the things that you're thankful for. How about making a weakness list? Anybody? (laughs) How about making a list of all the areas that you just stink it up? Anybody? Have you ever done that? How do you get the power of Christ on you? You get on your knees and you make that infinite long list of everywhere you feel like you don't measure up. Come on, mom. That's how you get the power of Christ on you. You just just say in the presence of the Lord, Lord, I can't here and I can't there and I'm weak here and I don't know how I'm going to do this here. And Lord, I need your help here and I don't measure up to them and I don't measure up to them and I don't meet their expectations and I can't meet his expectations and I don't meet my expectations. Lord, I certainly don't meet your expectations. Lord, I'm weak. Lord, I'm foolish. My willpower breaks down. Lord, I can't do it my grace is sufficient for you for my power is perfected in your weakness in your weakness if you listen to our podcast um and if you don't i encourage you to we record a weekly podcast and it's a lot of fun but I do a podcast with one of our elders, Jonathan Benson, and um, Jonathan loves to do word studies, you know, so um, <laughs> it's like I get done preaching my sermon, and then Jonathan always brings in like the deep version of my sermon, you know, and I'm like, yeah, I, Jonathan, you're, it, it's amazing. So, so I asked him this week, I said, hey, would you look up this word for me um, and, and give me a little insight on this word? And it was the word um, uh, perfected, the power perfected. And I was like, is there, is there anything in that word, that, like it being perfected? And what we discovered together, do we, have the, do we have that little spyglass thing? Yes. Mother coming in clutch. Look at that. Mother, spouse, amazing. All right. The word there has its root. The word there has its root. Not, the word there has its, root in the, it's the same root of like a, a telescope. And so I thought, this is is amazing. This is amazing. So in recognizing our weaknesses and having the power of Christ rest on us, this is is how it works. It's it's, It's like, Mom, you're up against the day. You're up against the schedule. You're up against the demands. You're up against the expectations. His, hers, yours, and his. You know, it's like, I can't. Say it louder. I can't. Say it more. So it's like you're it's like you're it's like you're trying to see something beautiful in the distance. And with the telescope like crunched down, you can't see it. So so how so how do you get the power to see what you want to see that's beautiful? Well, you, you say I can't see it. So the telescope is designed in such a way that when you can't see it, you pull it you pull it out a little bit. And you're like, "Well, I can't see it." And you 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 pull it out a little more. And a telescope is designed in such a way that when you can't see it, you just just recognize that you can't see it. You just recognize, I can't can't see it. And you you pull it out. And what's so beautiful is is, as a telescope, it's like this again. If you can't see it, you can't see it. You say, I can't see it. You pull it out. I can't see it. You pull it out. Oh, I can see it. I can see it. It's just a little picture of how Jesus' power is made perfect in our weakness. Most of us, were so filled with so much more pride than we realize. That's why it takes 80 years for us to be sanctified, right? You know, it's like, that's why it takes like a whole lifetime for us to grow into the image of Jesus. It's because we've got so much pride in our life. And saying I can't is a statement of humility. And saying I'm weak is a statement of humility. And God invites us all, moms, dads, sons, daughters, aunts, uncles, grandma, grandpa. He invites us all to recognize and rejoice in our weaknesses. I've shared with you before, I like, I like to recognize my weaknesses on Monday and then go and do it on my own strength on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Is anybody else like that? Or, you know, early in the morning I like to recognize my weaknesses, but by noon I'm trying to do it on my own, in my own strength, in my own wisdom, in my own willpower. How how do we get the power of Christ on our life? Recognize and rejoice in your weaknesses. Recognize and rejoice in your weaknesses. Um, So our worship team's going to come, but as they come, I just want to say, dear mom. Dear Mom, get under the apron. Get get under the apron. Like Susanna Wesley, get under the apron. And get alone with the Lord. And whether it's ten children or a demanding job, or a schedule that you can't, you can't do it, or, or forgiveness that you can't extend. Get under the apron and recognize your weakness, and receive the power of God. Receive the power of God. Receive. Father we thank you for your mercy we thank you for your grace we thank you for your promise to Paul and your promise to us today that no matter the battle your grace is sufficient for us in our weakness your your power is made perfect in our weakness Holy Spirit you know every need in this building you know every need of every heart and I pray that you and your mercy would minister to every person in in this place. Father, you know every pain, you know every burden, you know every soul, you know every heart. And I pray by your mercy, by your power, that you would minister in this moment. And that the ministry of your spirit this morning would ripple all through the week, Lord. That your sustaining and strengthening grace would be undeniable in your children's life. Here, Lord, we are desperate for a touch from you. Lord, we are desperate for your strength. We are, we are desperate in our weakness. We are desperate in our brokenness. We don't measure up. We'll never measure up. We are weak, but you are strong. We are foolish, but you are wise. We are selfish, but you are sacrificial. We seek revenge, but you extend forgiveness. Thank you for being our God and thank you for your amazing patience with us, your people. Holy Spirit, come as we sing. Holy Spirit, move in our midst. We pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Let's stand, let's sing out. Thank you for listening. We trust that God is stirring something special in your heart today. We hope to see you on Sunday very soon. Keep it real, keep it Jesus.